0: Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard, No Blackout Dates to... Wait, where the hell are we going?
1: No Blackout Dates, zero Blackout Dates. Good to see you, good to see you. How you doing? Nothing, nothing, really and truly all day long like several of Peanut
2: Butter and Fluff you ever hear about fluff these days where did all the fluff go
0: how about that american guy with the jack daniels falling out of his jacket he just looked like a total alcoholic and then uh,
1: these two women sat down and they looked at us they're like do you realize this is a gay bar for women
2: what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of no blackout dates i'm evan I'm Tim. Today, we have a very special episode with Mylon Claremont, a strength and conditioning coach in Victoria, BC. He was the head strength coach for Rugby Canada's women's national team, also with the men's program as well, traveled all over the world with the teams. Now, he manages Just Move Fitness in Victoria. And one of his duties with Rugby Canada was actually helping athletes acclimate to jet lag, how to beat it, um, how to play the day after you land on an international flight. Fascinating stuff. Stuff I wish i learned like 10 years ago. Uh, But more important than being a certified strength coach, Mylon is also a certified Canadian. And he's going to help us settle the US-Canada rivalry that's crept onto the show in the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, we have not been able to get away from the Canada talk for at least a month now. So we thought it was going to be an appropriate thing to do to get an actual Canadian on the show to kind of settle things up a little bit. And I think that we got to the root of the matter, and the root of the matter is that Canadians get along with everyone.
2: And full disclosure, Mylon was one of my flatmates when I was in grad school in Edinburgh, Scotland. So he knows me pretty well, and the U.S.-Canada rivalry was a constant theme of our flatmate relationship. But we're hoping that this this interview is going to put that issue to bed. We're done with it. We're going to move on afterwards. But even more exciting than that, possibly, is that we have just hired our first unpaid intern last week. And we're certainly getting our money's worth so far.
0: Yeah. I got to say Stevie is his name. He's from Carlsbad, California, studying at Arizona state. Stevie is an interesting dude. Uh, We brought him on board because he emailed us out of the blue saying he really needed to get some experience in a professional setting. And so we decided to bring Stevie in to see if we could kind of tighten the ship a little bit. And, so far, it's only been a week, but my impression so far is not a good one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the kid's name, his name's Steven, first of all. And the first thing he said to us in his interview is that he hates being called Stevie. Great way to start an interview, by the way. Um, so obviously, we'll be calling him Stevie from here on out. Total bonehead. Pretty sure his major is gym or something. I asked him what he was studying, and he literally said volleyball which, I mean, I'm pretty sure he just really likes volleyball. (laughs) And yeah, he's going to be doing some audio editing for us, helping with booking, marketing, other random stuff. Um, He's already requested like three weeks off for spring break, which I'm pretty sure is only one week. So not off to a good start.
0: Yeah, he's not off to a good start. And I'm surprised that we even hired him. He's actually lucky there was no competition for the job because on his list of previous employers, he listed his dad's country club restaurant, and the fact that he is currently the the locker room attendant for the women's volleyball team, so nothing really to uh, to speak to his media experience at all, uh, and 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 so far he hasn't really proven that he's up to the stuff.
2: I'm pretty sure he thinks he's getting school credit for this. Uh, he's he's not at all, but he seems like a good kid, and he might pop up on the show from time to time. So we'll see. In, in the meantime, we're gonna have Mylan on to talk all things Canada what it's like living abroad and most importantly, what it's like to be my roommate for one year in Scotland.
0: This episode is probably as close as we've ever gotten to actually having actionable takeaways for the listener. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get right
2: into it with Mylan, and we'll see you on the other side. Coming all the way from a British Commonwealth called Canada. What's up, man?
1: This is uh, probably the furthest that I've traveled so far since last March, so it's fitting to be on a travel podcast.
2: Yes, via Zoom. Uh, it's been a while since I've been berated for my nationality, so this will be fun. Okay. <laughs> Perfect.
0: We, we berate our own selves all the time, but it's not it's not so often that we have a Canadian here to do it for us. So I'll start, I guess, by setting a little scene. It's uh we we
2: met in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's kind of a it's a gloomy, cloudy day in Edinburgh, like all days in Edinburgh. And you, Milan, you show up to your new flat for the first time. You find six doors. You realize you're going to have five roommates that you're going to have to share this flat with. Soon you realize that you're going to be sharing it with two Chinese girls, a Venezuelan girl, an Indonesian guy, and one American. What are your initial thoughts? When you realize you will have to live for one year with an American,
1: the yeah, I, man, I remember that first night out when we went out to the the bar and we were just sitting there, and some drunk Scottish dude sat down and started ranting about cricket because we were watching football on the TV, and uh, and he was like, he's like, cricket's so great because you can leave for four days and your wife doesn't ask you where you are. You're like sweet dude, <laughs> Scotland seems awesome. But no, that was that was uh that was a good first night. I remember you were like, my name's Evan. I was like, like Evan Flow. And you're like, yeah, I'm gonna download Instagram and uh, claim that while I can.
0: An an interesting thing about Evan's Instagram handle actually is that I told him a year or two ago. I was like, oh, did did you name your Instagram handle after uh, that Pearl Jam song, Even Flow? And he had no idea that that was even a thing.
2: Yep, and I've still never heard it. <laughs> so the prospect of having to live with an american for a year was positive you weren't thinking like oh fuck this guy is going to be loud and obnoxious and wake me up with the pledge of allegiance every morning
1: it's so funny man cuz like my grandmother's american my uh, my grandmother's or my dad's mom's family is like us navy all the way back like i'm named after a guy who is an admiral in the us navy so it wasn't uh what wasn't threatening it's just being in america that that's the threatening part with all the gunfire and fireworks and freedom it's
2: just disconcerting politics aside because i think we'd probably agree on most of that what's your view of americans on a more personal cultural level obviously the two cultures are extremely similar but what are some personality quirks or differences that you actually do notice
1: i think it's very similar to you know how like siblings will fight you know what i mean like but you always come back for thanksgiving dinner like i i think that canadians and americans are very, very similar in a lot of ways, uh, and it's not until you're like put into situations where those like little things pop out. You know what I mean? Like when we were in Copenhagen, and there was like the street was there weren't any cars coming, so Evan just like fucks off across the street, and I wait for the light. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just like like ninety percent of the day we're the exact same person. Then there's there's those like left or right decisions that I think uh, sometimes go either way. But I think. Uh, I think honestly, like Canadians, just like poking fun of you guys. It's just, it's just a good time.
2: It's interesting too because when we went, to, so we went to uh, the rug. What was it? The Rugby World Cup in 2016. Yeah. In uh, in Leeds, and we saw Canada play Italy, and I had never been to a rugby game before, but we end up s- somehow on the bus with back to uh, the hotel or wherever with all these Canadians. Like everyone on the bus is, seems to be a big Canada fan. And I was so <laughs> acutely aware of, of being an American. It almost would have been wor- It almost felt worse being an American than it would have been being an, a fan of Italy, who they were actually playing against. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, that scene in Eurotrip where they end up on that, uh, that Man U bus.
1: Oh and everyone's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. soccer hula yeah. yeah
2: and everyone's yeah. just chanting man you songs like that's how I, <laughs> I felt i was like of course like in the middle of england i somehow end up on a bus <laughs> full of canadians leave it to my to sniff out the canadians every time we go anywhere
1: it's true remember when we went to go see that game in ireland the ireland game in that pub and there's like four uh four canadians across the bar and we ended up being like buddies with them for a year
0: it's funny that you guys were at a rugby match and Canada is like such a massive presence because (laughs) the vast majority of people in the United States, myself included to an extent, don't even know how rugby works, let alone are going to like go to a rugby match while they're traveling in a foreign country. And I think that could be said for a lot of sports, also soccer, although soccer is more popular in the U.S. than rugby, certainly, but it's, we're certainly not on the same level with the international sports as we are on the, you know, American football and baseball. That is one big difference between the U.S. and Canada. I think is 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 the sports and like the the cultural attractions.
1: The I think one of the great ways uh, that it was put to me was um, it's kind of like New Zealanders and Australians. Like if you meet someone and you kind of hear that accent and you don't know whether they're a Kiwi or an Australian. Ask them if they're from New Zealand, because if you ask them if they're from Australia and they're a New Zealander, they'll be pissed. But if they're from, you know, Australia, like they won't care. Like if you get them wrong, Um, I think that's kind of the thing. Like I know for me, like whenever, like if I watch a Jim Carrey movie and I'm watching it, someone will be like, "Do you know, he's Canadian.
2: Literally couldn't watch anything on TV without you pointing out. Did you know that he's Canadian? oh, hey, bud, did you know that actress has a Canadian half-sister? <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude, I, I get it. There are some successful Canadians. Mike Myers would be another one. Yeah, exactly.
1: But you would never, like, we wouldn't be watching a movie and Evan wouldn't be like, 90% of the cast is American. Did you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> as far as the inward-looking thing, we're talking about sports like rugby, soccer, and the U.S. not being as into more global sports. It's similar with... The U.S. consumption of news and understanding of news and world events compared to uh, a more European outlook, or which tends to be more comprehensive. You you would always give me shit about um, not being able to name Canadian prime ministers when, yeah, you could name like a bunch of U.S. presidents. So why why do you think that Canada's global outlook is different than the U.S.?
1: Uh, well, uh, what happens in your country heavily impacts our country. Right. So like on election night, I literally me and my American buddy, she's uh, in our our bubble up here. We like made nachos, we got like chips and salsa, and we got beers and we watched like 12 hours of American news coverage. I watched it, like 4am um, on the election day. And the funniest thing was she was saying it was her first time watching the election through uh, Canadian media. Yeah. And it's so funny, because like, there's no real bias, right? It's just like, factual reporting like i remember there was one guy who was standing in texas and he was like texas is still using machines that were built in the 50s to count their ballots (laughs) pretty crazy (laughs) you know what i mean like just just like complete dead like deadpan and like you can see the hosts are just like wow that's interesting and um i think there's like that kind of uh a bit more sarcastic and like uh, like, the news media, like, CBC um, is kind of the probably the, the biggest news organization in, in Canada. Um, or at least it's the one that I kind of dip my head into. And, um, yeah, like, the hosts will just, like, randomly do bad dad jokes. And the other host is like, what? Don't fucking do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, it seems a lot less uh, serious and a, a lot more independent.
2: Also, the attitude in general among news media is to be as rage inducing as possible. And to to get you to take a side, whereas like you're saying, I mean, I don't. I would think it's fascinating to be able to watch an a American election through Canadian media. I wish I could have done that. Whereas I think world media and maybe Canadian media is more interested in global events, including American events, because they don't have the sense that what happens in their country is the only thing that matters.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like watching the, uh, there's a similar kind of like power and politics shows in, uh, in Canada. And because we have a multi-party system, you know, there's like Bloc Quebecois, Green Party, NDP, liberals, and conservatives. So they have five people at, um, federal debates. Right. And so because of that, you don't have like left versus right. You have like right versus like center, right versus center, versus left versus, uh, the Bloc Quebecois. Um, and so you kind of have people that like agree on a lot more things um as opposed to being like yes or no on either side of every issue
0: must be crazy our, ours are like our politics are like the two siblings that never actually come back together for thanksgiving they just hate each other and every time they see each other it's just a screaming yeah. match
2: they're like the estranged siblings from a broken household with severe emotional scars that's that's <laughs> what our uh, our politics is like um one more thing about the Can- canada and then we'll get off the canada thing and uh go on to some other other topics if you could take any one american state and make it part of canada which one would you take
0: Ooh, um that's good i want to i want to know the reverse of that too which canadian province would you ship down south
1: um like geographically alaska would make sense but i, I don't think that it would i don't know if you
0: guys are fine with alaska yeah
1: um well, probably like washington state why not? I like
0: Seattle. I mean, I will say like, yeah, I, I'm a Colorado dude, but I would pack up and move to B.C. tomorrow. You know, I think there's a lot of cultural similarities. <laughs> uh, we don't have the coast, but, I, you know, you're probably more in line with Washington uh, or Oregon. But uh, I think that the politics and the culture of Colorado is probably a lot more in line with with Canada than a lot of other U.S. states. R.
1: Yeah. Oh, and which? Uh, um, I think Alberta would probably fit the best into the the American kind of way of thing. It's definitely the most conservative, or one of the most conservative provinces. Um, the only problem is that it's a literally a fucking what shape is that rectangle? It's just a big rectangle. Trapezoid. No, trapezoid. That's the one I was looking for. Rhombus.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always say that we would say ta- I would if I could choose. I would take Quebec and just merge it with New England and make its own little country.
1: Dude, Quebec wants to, wants to divorce its the country it's already in.
2: <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. They're they're ripe for the taking. They're right for the taking. Historic aesthetic of Montreal, Quebec City. Right. I don't know what their politics are, but they I feel like they've got like this chip on their shoulder and we can work with that in New England.
1: In uh in Scotland, I was uh I was coaching a basketball team there. Um, it was just like two, uh, one night a week or two nights per week. I was doing strength and conditioning stuff with this high school basketball academy. And there was this girl who was, uh, talking about how they had to do, um, they had to do a presentation on a country. And so she chose Quebec. And, uh, and I was like, not a country. <laughs> I was like, Quebec is not a country. And she was like, uh, yeah, it is like my teacher approved it. Uh, you know, it's got the pr- prime minister, which is just the like premier, or like the governor, um, and uh, she was going on, and like she honestly had me almost convinced that I was wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> she was like, uh, she was like, like I don't think I've ever met anyone more confident about anything than this sixteen-year-old Scouse girl who <laughs> did her project on Quebec.
0: Well, you could probably put put Quebec and Texas together. They both kind of are the outliers in their country. I think maybe they can work something out.
1: Oh my god, that would be one. That would be a fucking nuts
2: party. Speaking of a party, let's get to jet lag. Everyone's favorite subject. When you worked with Rugby Canada, one of your jobs was helping athletes overcome jet lag and acclimate to the new time zone. There's a whole science behind this. How do you do it?
1: Yeah, so the basics of like, everyone kind of knows the um, the basics of it, right? It's like if you go from uh, BC to Ontario or from, you know, The Pacific to um, Eastern, it's three hours time difference, right? And like that'll screw you up for a couple days and then you'll get over it. Or if you really need to, you can just set your alarm and get up and you'll be a bit more groggy, right? Um, Because your body is getting up three hours earlier than it's used to. Um, So if you do that for eight hours, then basically it sucks five more hours, (laughs) right? So it kind of gets worse every time zone that you shift over. And so the, the, um, the principle behind it is that your body is kind of, if you think about the 24-hour clock on a, on a line, your body is used to waking up here, or and now it's waking up here, or uh, sorry right, to the right or to the left for everyone listening. Um, and so what you can do is essentially convince your body that you are in a different time zone than you're in by exposing yourself to light and limiting light exposure Uh, in your current climate to uh, more closely um, rival where you're going to be traveling. So the way that we would do it is with uh, our athletes who are going to Portugal. So we went to Portugal two years in a row. Um, And so from BC, uh, we had some people leaving from Ontario, some people leaving from BC. What I would do is I would say um, 10 days prior to leaving, I just want you to get up um, half an hour earlier or it was like 20 minutes earlier every day and as soon as you get up just turn the light on right and so what you do is then all of a sudden you've shifted the um your waking hour and your light exposure hour by um three hours so it's essentially like instead of leaving from the pacific time zone you're leaving from eastern time zone right and so what you do is you just get your circadian rhythm which is kind of the you know when melatonin uh is secreted in your body i.e. the kind of like wake up go to bed chemicals in your body are secreted Um, and you essentially just kind of trick your body into thinking that it's in a different time zone so that when you transition instead of having to transition eight hours now you're doing five or four or um, you know depending on how important the trip is you could you know make that smaller and smaller and smaller and so when our athletes were traveling, uh, the toughest part was the actual travel day itself or days, um, where, you know, you're traveling eight hours, but you're also flying and you're in a crowded airport where, um, the things that are really important to manipulate are caffeine exposure, light exposure, um, and then kind of mental stimulation. Typically what I would do is, you know, if we were leaving from, uh, Vancouver in the morning, um, And so let's say it's, you know, 8 a.m. in Vancouver, it would be 4 p.m. in Portugal, right? And so we know that six hours later, even though it's only 2 p.m. in Canada time or in in our brains, it's already 10 p.m. in Portugal. So I'd have all the guys put sunglasses on, right? So it's like things like that where you can kind of start tricking your body into thinking it's somewhere it's not. And, you know, you might get an extra hour or two of sleep. But when you're playing the day after you land, it can actually make a huge difference in helping you get better sleep sooner.
2: So I can wear sunglasses inside and if people accuse me of being a douchebag, I can just say, no, I'm trying to uh, get rid of jet lag. Just I'll give you,
1: I'll ship you some business cards. Just be like, you got questions. <laughs> you got questions in a couple hundred bucks. You call this guy.
2: It's it's interesting because I've always wondered how athletes can play at 100% after taking a six hour flight and dealing with a three hour or more time difference then the jet lag. I mean, sometimes like I can't even stay awake for one drink, no less play an entire rugby match.
1: Yeah. Like the, the classic, I'm sure you guys know this. I mean, you're, you know, doing a travel podcast, right? Like traveling is a skill, right? Like you get better at, you know, packing your bags, you get better at checking in, you know, um, you can kind of set yourself on autopilot. And one of those things that you can get better at is, um, sleeping on planes is, uh, training yourself to stay awake when you need to sleep when you need to, Usually what would happen is you know we would land like the classic one is we land there it's 8 a.m but our bodies think it's midnight and that's the worst day, right? And it's just what do we do, right? It's like shove coffee into your face as much as you can, get some food, go get some sunlight, you know do anything you can to stay awake, give yourself a half hour nap in the middle of the day and then try and make it to like 8 p.m. and you're probably gonna wake up at like 3 a.m. but then the next day you wake up at 6 a.m and then the third day, you know, you're kind of on the ball.
2: Sleeping on planes, you mentioned. How do I do it? Please tell me.
1: Usually I just put a, I'd take a toque on a, or a, a beanie, or what do you guys call them? This thing that I have on my head. And you just pull it over your eyes and that's like the best sleep mask you can get. That's the great thing about going with teams, man. You go to your team doctor and you're like, do you have any of those sleepy time pills? And they're like, yep.
2: <laughs> so you're saying that the best way to really sleep on a plane is to join a national rugby team or a professional sport and just to have access to the team doctor for the meds.
0: We're gonna actually we're gonna launch a GoFundMe to get Evan onto the Rugby Canada uh, trial. I would honestly pay money. For you to do
1: like a small docu video of you two coming out and just like trying out rugby with the team,
0: he's itching for a job.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, there's there's a lot of washed up podcast hosts these days pursuing second careers as uh, rugby athletes. <laughs> but um, switching gears a little bit, I, I don't know if you call it expatriating, but when you study abroad for a year, when you move to the UK, um, having never you would never been to the UK before, right? Prior to Edinburgh, uh, no did you find it tough to acclimate to living there? What did you dislike about it? Um, What are some things you never got used to? Um, Because I know it's, it's funny when you talk to people who live abroad or who move abroad, it's always this kind of, it's a very cheery picture. It's very, like everything was amazing, everything was great. But I know that from being there for a year, for both of us there were things that were like you know what this just fucking sucks
1: yeah one thing that i uh that was the first time that weather made me sad <laughs> it was like it was like i would because I, I had this internship with the Scottish rugby union and so i would get up at you know 5 a.m go stand in the rain for my bus i'd bus there and by like 2 p.m i'd go to leave and it would be dark again and I would just be like, fuck. Um, and so I would miss the entire day's light for like a month. And that sucked. Um, the uh, the other thing that was weird was when I was with Scottish Rugby, because I was there probably three, maybe four days per week. Um, and uh, I was the only not Scottish person there. You know what I mean? And so when you're the only person who's other, you just get the piss taken out of you like all the time. And uh, the, uh, they were really great people to work with and be around. But at the same time, it's like there was this moment where we were traveling to Italy and the entire team went through the EU line. And I was the only person standing at the like, check if this foreigner is going to blow me up line. And just like the looks <laughs> of the entire team passing before they could like interview me. I was like, Oh no.
2: <laughs> right. And just living with five people all from different countries was a crash course in itself. It's, it was actually one of my favorite parts of the whole experience. Cause you learn things by living with people that you really wouldn't if you're just friends or classmates.
1: Like there was things like, I remember um, one of our roommates uh, who was from China came back from the library and she was like, she had this like stack of books and she's like, do you know, there's a fucking place down the road where you can just go get books. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> you're know, like, like for free, like completely. Yeah, for free. she was, was like, like her mind yeah. was blown. And it was like, it was definitely an exercise in gratitude for things like sunlight. Um, but also things like that. Um, also, I really stepped up my rice game. Honestly, I got a, I'd never had a rice cooker before. Yeah. And then I, I can't live without one now.
2: I was terrified to use their rice cookers because I mean, I'd never used one before. Each of our Chinese roommates brought their own rice cooker with them from China because it's so essential to them, and they didn't trust that they would have like the the good model that they could buy in Scotland. So they brought their own, and I was like, "Oh my god! I don't know how to! I don't know what this is! I don't know how to use this! I don't know! I'm not, If I if I try and make rice in this thing, it's it's gonna catch fire!" and these girls are gonna kill me. The funniest thing I find about Evan is when we
1: go places. You're always so rattled at how different things are from what you're used to. Like you'll get there and just be like, I don't know. We'll be in like Copenhagen and be like, Why is there fucking mayonnaise on the table? Like Jesus Christ! <laughs> like,
2: <just> like <laughs> well, okay. I, to be clear, it's less annoyance than it is uh, being perplexed.
1: But I think it's a, it's a good trait in that you notice. You
2: notice lots of things. Yeah, I'm very aware of it when I know I'm going to be somewhere for a long time, like a year. But if I'm going somewhere for a weekend, I like to think I don't do that, at least not anymore. But yeah, in the UK, when I first got there and saw something really different, I'd be like, oh my god, this isn't how it's supposed to be.
1: Well, here's how observant you are. Uh, You guys picked a bar to go to for our night out in Copenhagen, and you picked a lesbian bar. And so me and Emin show up there and we're just sitting having a drink. It's like we just walk in, go get some beers. Well, I'll
2: give you the background on that. So I uh, we were like, all right, we're gonna go out. Let's 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 research like a good bar that's like that's that's fun in Copenhagen. So we're not we don't we only there for two nights, so we don't wanna waste it going to a shitty spot. So I look up, I'm like I'm I'm googling like best bars in Copenhagen and I find I'm confident that I find this, this bar it has great reviews. It says like the girl guy ratio is sick. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is good.
1: Like the most sarcastic Yelp review ever.
0: <laughs> what, yeah. This is why you don't ever trust Yelp reviews right there. That is it. We, and we get,
2: so I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave the other part of the story to Mylan. but we, we go there and I tell these other girls that we're traveling with, but are staying at a separate hotel. I'm like, okay, I found this bar. It was called Vela bar. So, I'm like, all right, meet meet us at Vela Bar at like whatever, like nine o'clock. And these girls are like, okay, like we'll meet, we'll meet you there.
1: Yeah. So, we show up like half an hour early and they show up half an hour late. And so, we, we end up being there for an hour. Um, and so, yeah, we go in, like get some drinks. The, I remember the bartender had this really cool, like mohawk. Um, and we sat down and, uh, yeah, we were just talking, like we were completely self involved, just having a conversation about the day or whatever. And then, uh, these two women sat down and, uh, and they looked at us, they were like, Do you realize this is a gay bar for women? And we were like, What? And it was like, you know, in the movies when you like look around and it just completely like dawns on you, and you're like reading the drink menu and it's like flaming lips
2: and like all of these uh lesbian innu- innuendos. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh. And we sat down and we lo- I was looking around, and I was like, oh man, like that Yelp review is right. Like the ratio here is pretty sick. We're the only dudes here. This is great. <laughs> and then uh <laughs> And then, yeah, those two girls sat down. I think they even asked her, like, are you guys, like, together? And we're like, nah, not not in that way. She's like, okay, well, just so you know. And they were really cool, really nice. And they were like, just so you know, this is, like, a lesbian bar. And it was great. We, we hung out there all night. And
1: there was a foosball tournament.
2: That was awesome. The two girls did meet us there that we were that we were friends with that had gone on the trip with us. I don't think they stayed very long. <laughs> Not at all.
1: We were having way too much fun. And they were,
0: they were like they Yeah. Like, They're like, these guys are weird. Why are we traveling with these guys? Now we know. <laughs> now we know about them. Yeah,
2: pretty sure we didn't see them again for the rest of the trip. Uh, we saw them in the airport on the way home. They pretended like they never they didn't recognize us.
1: The funniest thing was at the end there was uh there's a, a woman who was like half Danish, half uh australian and she was like oh like we hung out with her for a couple hours and she was like oh like i'm going to see this play tomorrow with my family you guys should come and we're like fucking sweet and so we got her number and the next day we were like hey you still free today and she's like sorry i'm going to see a play with my family i can't (laughs) she's like completely forgot that she had invited us (laughs) the funniest thing too was this like on this trip i was like I don't know, like five years into my relationship with my now wife. I was literally, everyone was just like, do you want to go to Copenhagen? I was like, sure. (laughs) You know, just following him around.
2: (laughs) Actually, speaking of that, I wanted to bring up a story earlier about, um, this is off topic for what we're discussing right now, but on topic for earlier and because you brought up Jess. I don't know if I told you this story from your wedding, but it's relevant to this whole thing. Oh, God is and it relates to me being a, a standing out culturally and not fitting in with the people around you so at your wedding which was only beer and wine right so there's only beer and wine there's no no alcohol i knew that this was going to be the case and as tim knows and as our listeners know i i'm a big jack and coke guy i don't drink beer don't drink wine i'm just not i knew you weren't going to have bud lights which is probably the only beer i would have drank so I was like, all right, I have to prepare for this unless I want to be sober the whole time around all these people that know each other, but who I don't know. So because I didn't I didn't know anybody at this wedding. So I bring a bunch of I bring five nips or airplane bottles or shooters, you might call them in my suit jacket of Jack Daniels. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'll like discreetly like drink these throughout the wedding. And no one will care. No one will know two times the first time as i was arriving at the uh the venue two nips just fall out of my jacket pocket at like the check-in area so in front of like a line of people behind me so I'm, I'm like scurrying you just look like a total
0: alcoholic
2: yeah so i'm scurrying to like pick those up and then as i take my seat at the table i take my jacket off and i hang it on the uh hang it over the back every single one falls out i'm just covered in like Jack Daniels nips my lap in my on the grass, and I'm looking around and like hoping no one noticed. But like a few people definitely noticed, and then tried to pretend like they didn't. Yeah,
0: how about that American guy with the Jack Daniels falling out of his jacket? Did, it didn't.
2: It didn't help my case in terms of the whole not ostracizing myself.
1: There's a yeah. That's the the most hilarious thing because Jess and I are like I neither of us drink wine. We're like we literally just got a bunch of um, you know coolers and beer. And just shoved it into a canoe with a bunch of ice and water, um, and then there was a bartender who was serving wine for all the old folks. But um, that was awesome, man. There's a uh, there's a photo out there somewhere on someone's Snapchat reel of Jess shotgunning a beer in her wedding dress, like on one knee, given her. And if if you're listening to this, please send it to us. We we need that photo framed.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fun time. I uh, didn't make probably the best impression, but still, <laughs> good time. Um, all right, well, that's all we got, unless you got another
0: question, Tim. No, man, I'm good. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks a bunch, guys. It was, uh, it was a hoot. It was a hoot, eh? Hoot, it was a hoot, bud. Should I just try and fit in as many Canadian sayings in as possible?
0: Yeah, go.
1: <laughs> the uh, I don't know your uh, hosers? That's a good one. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is I I never really realized how Canadian I sound until uh, you hang out with like a group of Americans and then you'll realize like I'll say something and people be like, oi! And I'm like, (laughs) oh, fuck. Yeah, I say that a lot.
2: (laughs) Who sounds more American, me or Tim?
1: Uh, Can you just say, um, don't take my rights? I'm just going to (laughs) listen.
2: Don't tread on me. Last fella tried to take my Second Amendment rights, I whacked him right upside the head with the barrel of a shotgun. (laughs) That's what I did. Uh, Yeah,
1: that's got to be Evan, sorry. I have a a buddy that argued that the, the Canadian West Coast accent was the neutral accent of the English language
0: i don't think any canadian accent is the neutral accent of the english language
1: well, it was like arguably the english accent is the neutral accent of the english language i
2: i feel like it's like kansas or something like that's where all the weathermen come from is kansas so that they have no accent whatsoever but all right cool thanks for coming on yeah cheers man
0: all right well here we are in the hot take section once again and we've got some real door slammers for you today. Evan, my first question for you, and I imagine we can have a lively discussion about this. Are TV and cable providers obsolete? I think
2: you might have jumped the gun with the whole lively thing, Tim. Uh, TV, you mean in terms of um, like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime? Like th- those are making television traditional providers obsolete? Yes. I would like to say no, but for the most part, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think personally there's a certain... Uh, magic to watching something live that you just don't get anymore.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I will say that like we don't have any TV in my house and I don't ever once wish that we did. I don't miss it at all. And, and, and I've got to say, like I've wondered and I've wondered this since I was young, why is there not a package and why has there not for decades been a package that allows you to pick the channels you want to watch and not pay for the other 5,000 useless channels? Well, you know what I've always wondered?
2: Who's paying for those random movie channels in the mid-thousands? You know, you're scrolling through and you see like Wedding Crashers on channel 1,300 and it says you need to pay $12 a month for this channel that you've never heard of. Who's paying for that? Those channels are like the dark web to me. Like I'm going to get a Russian virus on my TV just by watching it.
0: I don't know. And the other thing I've also... I also don't get is why are there so many channels? Why have like who is watching 95% of the channels? Like people watch a very set amount of stuff, I feel like. The vast majority of people, there cannot be a return on the investment of time and money uh by the people on some of these obscure channels that no one watches to make it worth it. I, I who's who's tuning in to like channel number 764? to a show that they've never heard of before. I like the idea. I think in in an ideal world,
2: people would just tune into random stations to be like, you know what, I really like this uh,
0: sci-fi show from 2009 that they're doing a marathon of. I I wish I could get everything that I want in one space, pick what I want to pay for and pay for it and not have to wade through anything else. What content do you like? What's Tim content? Uh, Bourdain. (laughs) Um, Really into the Americans lately even though it's like 10 years old. Basically, I like obscure shows several years after they were maybe somewhat popular, you know, because I, I, I feel like I have some kind of a weird disgust with trendy television. And so I'm probably automatically not going to like something while it's popular, Bourdain being the exception to that. But I might like it five years later. That is so Colorado, man. It is. All you want to do,
2: everyone say it with me, is play baseball and eat chicken nuggets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, my next question here is uh, this one came to mind after editing a piece that you wrote about minor league baseball stadiums and why they're worthy of a visit. The question today is, can minor league ballparks become social hotspots and do they need to do any modernization or evolving to become so? Like twenty-somethings, they're
2: going to the bar. Twenty-somethings are just going, hitting up the minor league ball game every weekend.
0: Yeah, so that it becomes what you encourage it to be in your article, where it's like a destination road trip spot. People are driving around to check out minor league ballparks. I think if they had a decent
2: bar and like f- drink and food scene, which I think a lot of them do, there's no reason why they have it. They have great gimmicks. They have a, a much more fun gimmicks than major league ball. Um, to keep the audience engaged, giving out free t-shirts, like doing funny uh, contests between innings. They've got a lot going for them. I think it's just an awareness problem. I think if people were just more aware of the minor league parks in their area and all the cool shit that they can do for pretty much free, then they'd be a lot more popular than they are now. But it's just an awareness problem.
0: Yeah, I I think it's an awareness problem. But I also think there are like some little tweaks that could be made. Like, ditch the quote-unquote family-friendly thing a little bit and attract people that are going to spend more money than just a three dollar hot dog you know
2: should we try to buy a minor league team yeah we should you're a big investor tim you're into investing your money wisely well i don't know maybe not wisely i don't actually know how you invest your money but is minor league baseball a good investment in some markets yeah probably is all right well, what would our team be called the Vagabonds. The Blackouts. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, be- the Beantown Blackouts. You'd have to be okay with it being a Boston team. but
0: I think Fort Collins has a minor league team starting this summer. They're moving from Orem, Utah. They're in the same league as the Grand Junction Rockies, actually. Oh, big time rivalry. We should just turn this into like a rivalry podcast between the Northern Colorado, whatever they're called, and the Grand Junction Rockies.
2: We're announcing our official pivot from... Travel podcast to a minor league, not even minor league, just a very specific regional rivalry in minor league baseball. That's all we're going to cover from now on. Stevie can uh, get on the ordering of the merch. We're going to throw the merch up on our site. It'll be the first merch we'll offer. Um, it'll be it'll be right next to the Timmy Baseball Fund link where you can donate to Tim's Major League prospects stevie get that up he won't he's a fucking idiot but the
0: rocky mountain vibes that's the fort collins team oh my god that's so colorado rocky mountain vibes Ugh. look at their logo look at their logo
2: what the hell is that a sandwich oh it's a, it's a, it's a s'more.
0: it's a s'more <laughs> it's a s'more you know what though I do like it because it reminds me of the Sandlot. I mean, they might be doing they might be doing exactly what we want them to do. I bet they're gonna serve some wicked at s'mores at the game.
2: Yeah, I bet they start printing you're killing me small shirts. The Rocky Mountain vibes are playing chess. We're all playing checkers, so I'm down with it. What's the I wonder what this mascot's name is? Smoky. All right. Well my first question is, what would your high school superlative be?
0: My high school superlative would probably be most likely to eke it out barely by the seat of his pants.
2: I can only imagine the picture that would accompany that. <laughs>
0: most likely to barely figure it
2: out. <laughs> Love it. I'm not going to press any further on that one. Let's move on. <laughs> um, where did all the fluff go? Peanut butter and fluff. Big time childhood snack. Do you ever hear about fluff these days? Where did all the fluff go?
0: I don't even know what fluff is.
2: Wait, you don't, you never heard of it? No. You've never heard of peanut butter and fluff? <laughs> what the
0: hell is peanut butter and fluff? I'm Googling it right now.
2: It, I, Wikipedia, it does say region or state New England.
0: I've never heard of it until right now. Oh, Maybe
2: it's a New England thing. Oh my God, Tim has never heard of fluff. That's crazy. I was always more of a peanut butter and jelly guy than a fluff guy, but it was like Dunkaroos, you know, or waffle crisp. And then one day, it just magically, I never I, after I turned like thirteen, I think I just never heard about it again. I'm sure fluff still exists. It does still exist. but is it it's it's not designed for kids, but is it just something that kids eat? Like what is where did all the fluff go? Anyone has an answer to this. write us and let us know because i'm I'm Tim has no answers.
0: I'm genuinely curious. I wonder if anybody has ever been over the age of like twenty five. And been like i need to go to the store and get some fluff right now
2: yeah it's corn syrup sugar syrup vanilla flavor and egg white that's what's in fluff maybe a new england thing we've learned okay so tim doesn't know where all all the fluff went i don't know where all the fluff went no one knows um if anyone does please 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 email us and give us your thoughts moving on next question and last question One of your goals for the podcast has always been to get a TSA person, TSA agents on the podcast. Have you ever tried sneaking anything through TSA or gotten anything confiscated?
0: I have never tried to sneak anything to TSA, but I did have a steak knife confiscated once at TSA and it was probably the most white privilege moment of my life. Like I went, I, I didn't know I had it in my bag. It was like a full sharp steak knife. And I had it in my bag. I don't know why, but I went through security. It beeped. They're searching my bag. I was like, "What are they what are they going to find? There's nothing in there. The lady pulls out this freaking knife. And it's like, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, definitely can't have that on the plane. So she took it. I you know, I didn't get to keep my steak knife, but I was I remember walking away being like, "Man, I'm kind of lucky they didn't ask me any further questions about why I had that."
2: "Why did you have it?"
0: "I don't know. I don't know why it was in there. I don't remember putting it in there. It had probably been in there for quite a while."
2: This is a little fishy, Tim, not going to lie. Yeah. So you were traveling to, where were you, Where were you going?
0: I was at the Denver airport. I don't know where I was going. Uh, this was probably like five years ago.
2: And you brought a knife, a gigantic knife, <laughs> just packed it thinking you might need this knife. You, your selective memory is a little is a little suspicious.
0: My guess is that I had it in there because my prior trip had been a road trip and we had brought some food with us. It was probably a camping trip that I had done before would be my guess.
2: Okay, heads up to anyone who's traveling with Tim in the future or goes on a press trip with Tim, search his bag. Might not be chill to do that, but do it anyway because the guy might be carrying a knife and God knows what else.
0: It's just funny because now I have this like nice, not super nice, but like a decent knife set in my kitchen and it's missing one steak knife.
2: <laughs> you, I imagine your wife, when you were at the airport and you were getting ready to go on the plane, your wife was at home looking for a steak knife, opening the drawer... Finding, finding that it was gone and just doing, having one of those introspective movie moments where she looks up at the sky and it's kind of like, probably <laughs> Tim's done it. He's finally done. He's going to, he's, he's, he's going to like hijack a plane.
0: Yeah. might may, uh, Maybe that happened. I don't know. We have like six other ones to choose from.
2: Right, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, well,
0: that's all for me. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of No Blackout Dates.
2: Yeah. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit Mylan at Just Move Fitness in Victoria. And also check out his new line of hilarious t-shirts at fitmemeapparel.com. All links will be in the show notes. Remember to subscribe as always. And if you've bought fluff in the past five years, please message us. Tell us your story. We want to hear it. We'll see you next week.